If you want to take your Bibles and you want to turn with me, you can turn on to Romans chapter 12. That's where we have um, been camping over the last couple of weeks. We started out um, several weeks back. We started out on this journey together. And I read to you out of Romans chapter 8. And I started at verse 18 and then down through um, the, the end of that uh, chapter is basically uh, what we were looking at for a little bit. We looked there a couple of weeks and now we've shifted over to Romans chapter 12. As I've been teaching you and been talking to you about the actions of hope, the actions of hope, that we are to be people of hope. And, uh, and therefore, if we are people of hope, uh, that we will partake in actions of hope. There will be things in our life that speak about the hope that God has brought us to us. How many of you have experienced the hope of the Lord? Amen. Uh, that you know because He is good, you have hope. And, uh, and uh, we are people that live our lives full of hope. Sometimes the church doesn't portray this very well. That's kind of been the journey that we are on because if we, you know, we say we're people of hope, but then oftentimes we act like we are people of no hope. Uh, we, we get so focused on the things that are going on in the world or the things that are happening in our lives at the current moment or whatever the case might be that we take our eyes, we shift our focus off of um, what the Lord has said to us, and we put it on the things of this world. And how many know you will not find hope in the things of this world? Amen. You, you will not. You'll lose hope quickly if your focus is this world. Uh, but if you'll keep your eyes upon Jesus, if you'll keep your eyes upon the promises of God, the Word of God, living for Him, you will find hope. And so out of these principles that we have been looking at, we are developing a life, a walk that brings us victory over the flesh and freedom from the flesh. Because if we're people of hope, we'll walk in freedom. So we've been on this journey, and we've taken several weeks, and we'll probably be in it at least a couple more weeks. We started off talking about the church. We are a promised church. We are a poured out upon church because God has poured His Spirit upon us. And then we are a pursuing church. And then that's where we have been camping as we are pursuing the Lord that pursued us. And so we're not going to recap anymore. We're just going to dive into this. We're going to start at Romans chapter number 12. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 4. Romans chapter 12, verse number 4. You know, last week we stopped on, we hit one verse last week. We, we, we talked about um, what the Lord said to us, that to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And so we talked about that, and then we talked about that we should evaluate our lives through Christ and the measure of faith that he has given to us that full measure of faith that is found in Jesus Christ. And so we went there last week. We spent a long time. You can go catch up. Uh, for those of you that, that, uh, may follow uh, or listen to the messages. You know, they've been, we have on iTunes, we've got them on different areas on Spotify, and I had to catch up some. So the, these uh, last four weeks are now on. If you listen on iTunes or do something like that, you can find them through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify if you just want the audio version, or you can go back and watch them on YouTube. Uh, they will be there as well as 
Facebook. So you can catch up at any time if you like. But tonight, we're going to jump into this, and we're going to start at verse number 4. Okay. So he says, For as we have many members in one body, we are all members of this one body of Christ, but all the members do not have the same function. So, just like in our body, we have many members of our body, and all the members do not have the same function. The ear doesn't function like the hand. The nose doesn't function like the foot. Um, we all have our own purpose. Our members have our own purpose. So we, verse 5, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Somebody look at someone next to you and tell them, use what God's given you. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Remember, we're evaluating our lives and our abilities and, and what we can accomplish and what we can do through the measure of faith of Christ, that full measure of faith in Christ that has been brought alive in us. Verse 7, if it's ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Meaning if it's serving one another, let us use it. He who teaches in teaching, use that gift. He who exhorts, encourages, speaks forth in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads, be diligent in that leadership. He who shows mercy, show mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. And so we, we're going to stop there because we're going to move a little, probably a little more quickly tonight than we have been because I want to cover a few things. But the first thing that we want to look at on these actions of hope that we are partaking in now, Romans 12 is just filled with this, is Romans 12 now in verses 4 through 8 has just told us about physical ways that we are to operate. And the only way, now listen to this. How many of you understand the only way you will use the gifts God has given to you is if you have hope that the God that gave them to you is going to enable you to be successful in them. See, if you, if you have no hope, if you're not a person of hope, then you won't use the gifts God's given you. Amen. There's a real problem in the church today. Now, thankfully, River Life, we've got people that are using their gifts and moving forward and doing things. We've got a lot of people that are involved. But in the church world as a whole, we have a lot of spectators and not a whole lot of participants. <laughs> Amen. They, they, they will spectate. They will watch. And do you know every person that sits in every church, especially every believer that has given their life to Christ, do you know that God has a role for you to play? God has something for you to do. You are not a person that has no role, no place, nothing to do. God has given every one of us gifts. And, and they're differing gifts. I personally believe that within a, a healthy church, within a healthy church, I believe God has placed everything that church is going to need to fulfill his purpose for that body. And I believe he'll bring others too and maybe add to through others. But I just believe that, that what we need is among us. 
And if God brings others to us with their gifts, then they're going to find a place. And maybe he's going to take us to new places. But if we would just utilize the gifts that are among us, we would be successful at all times in all things that God has called us to do. But if we don't have hope that God has gifted us and we don't have hope that the gifts he's given us, he's going to use us in and he's going to give us an ability. Sometimes it's even beyond our ability. Then we will never use those gifts. So a lot of people don't use what God has given them because they've lost hope. Maybe they tried and it didn't look like they thought it was going to look. Or maybe somebody said something to them. Or maybe they got their eyes on somebody else. Or maybe they're jealous about somebody else's gift. And they don't want their gift. They want somebody else's gift. How many of you know God's given you gifts? He didn't give you the same gifts he's given me. He didn't give me the gifts that he's given to you. We are all individual members of the body of Christ. And we are all individual members of this local body. We are connected together. And we all have a role to play. You are just as important and vital in the, in the movement and health of this church as me or anybody else. But if we don't have hope in that, we will not take those physical steps. We will not allow God to use us. So the first thing I want to talk to you about in this idea of actions of hope, as we are now a pursuing church, pursuing after God, these are actions of a full life of hope. These are, these are the way we evaluate our living. Are you living in hope? Here's how you can evaluate that. Are you taking the physical steps that show you are a person of hope? Are you doing things for the kingdom of God? Physical things. Amen. Every one of us needs to be physically involved in the kingdom of God. And can I even say, and in the local body. Every one of us. See, we get this mindset, well, you know, we, we, we all will say, well, we're going to, we'll pray. And prayer is great and it's needed and everybody needs to pray. But we need you to do more than pray. We need you to do something. With what God has given to you. Amen. So that's the physical actions of a life that's filled with hope. Use your gifts. You have been given those. The, the Bible talks about many gifts. We think of the gifts of the Spirit. And, and we evaluate those gifts. And, and we kind of stop there. But you know the Bible talks about a whole lot of other gifts. And, and it doesn't just stop with those nine gifts of the Spirit that, that we operate in when we are moved upon by the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you, you can find those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. You begin to discover those gifts. You know, the word of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy and, and faith and miracles. Amen. Discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation. The gift of faith, not just faith, but that gift of faith that causes you to believe God for the miraculous. And as the Spirit moves, He will move upon us at times, and we will operate in these different gifts. But do you know that's not the only gift? Sometimes we think, well, if I don't operate in one of those, then God must not have given me any gifts. But the Bible is very clear about many gifts that he gives us. In fact, we just read about some of them in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. 
we begin to read about them. And, and, and these are not meant to be complete lists. They are just meant to be representative lists. When he says to them uh, that, that you, if, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. If it's service, ministry, that ministering is serving. That's what that is. If it's serving, then serve. Some of you have a greater gift of service than others. You, you just have that gift. You have that heart. You have that desire to just serve. Amen. Maybe your desire is to be in the background, and you don't want to be up in the front. You just want to serve. You just want to help others. You just want to, you, you just want to support others. That Use your gifts. Find ways to use them. So if it's ministry, then, then use it in ministry. If it's teaching, then use it in teaching. Teach. Share. You say, well, no one's given me a title. Don't wait on a title. Use your gift in your family. With your neighbors. <laughs> Amen. Those that will gather together for a Bible study. If you've got a gift of teaching, God's going to give you opportunities to use it. If you, will, if you will be a person of hope and you will say, God gave me this gift, I'm going to begin to use this gift. And guess what will happen? As you use the gifts God's given you, God will begin to make more room for you. Amen. Uh, people will say, well, I'm called to preach. But no one will give me the opportunity to preach. Well, quit waiting on someone to give you an opportunity. There's, there's streets out here filled with people. Oh, but I'm not sure I want to do that. Well, that's what preaching is. It's getting up and sharing what the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. If you can't do it on the streets, what makes you think you're going to do it behind a pulpit? Amen. Just some food for thought there. Well, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Then you're not going to be comfortable behind a pulpit either. So whatever your gift is, use it. It's what the Word tells us. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's exhortation, encouragement, lifting up, exhorting, spreading the Word, just, just that exhorter that calls people to worship, calls people to a deeper walk with the Lord, then use that gift. So how many of you know some people are gifted to give? You know how you usually know if you're gifted to give? If, if God has blessed you and you have an abundance of finances or he's blessed you with a job that gives you, he's gifted you to give. And the Bible says give with liberality. He's called all of us to give in measure with, with that, that, that joy that we give unto the Lord. But there are some that give and finance ministries. There are some that give amounts that would just blow our minds but God's not looking at the amount he doesn't make a difference between a widow's two mites or a million dollars that somebody gives as long as you are giving out of what God has put in your heart that's a gift that that you have that you're able to give so use that gift if it's leadership then be diligent and lead others right this is what this is what he says if it's showing people mercy then do that with cheerfulness right do you know some people are better at showing others mercy than other believers. Amen. Amen. Now, this is a gift we all need to grow in. Amen. But people that are people that don't really have hope in Jesus, they won't show other people mercy because they're miserable. Amen. See, somebody that won't give others grace and mercy is someone that's miserable in themselves. 
that feels they can never measure up. And so, so be a person of mercy and give that liberally. So the word is, is, is very clear. You know, he talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about giving gifts to the church and pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists and, and, and uh, apostles. He gives gifts unto the church. So find what God has given to you and then use it. That's your physical actions. And when you do that for the Lord, you are saying, Lord, my hope is in you. You've given me this. I'm going to give back to you. Amen. It's a physical action. Find something to physically do in the kingdom of God. Amen. Can I tell you, I believe that's a lost message in the church today. Turn to someone and tell them, find something to physically do in the church of God. In the church. There's something physically to do. Be involved. Get involved. Don't... don't Find some, find your heart, find your desire, and plug into that, right? If it's helping the needy, go out with them on mission on wheels, right? Do something. If you have a gift of intercession, come to prayer. We could use you. Amen? Find something. Be a person of hope and physically... Live out the hope that God has made you unique. We can waste our whole life for Christ, discouraged because we don't have gifts others have, and never utilize the fullness of the gifts God has given to us. Amen. So let's determine we're not going to be those people. We're going to be people of hope, and we're going to give. I know that's, this is just practical. I'm just trying to be real practical with you. I mean, no, the physical things that we do, that's, that's just practical. Right? It, yeah, reasonable service. That's what Romans 12 talks about, right? This is my reasonable service. This is my act of worship. And so do that and, and be determined. Okay? So that's the physical hope. Use your gifts. So now let's look at verses 9 and 10. 9 and 10 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Preferring your brother and sister before you. Honoring them. Let me, let me talk to you about this because this, this deals with people that have emotional hope. Amen. We, we talked about physical hope. That, that's the actions that you take. I've got hope. God's given me a gift. He's, he's used me and, and given me something. I'm going to use it for the kingdom. And then he begins to deal with us about emotions. Amen. He, he talks to us about love. Let your love be without hypocrisy. He, he talks to us about holding fast to good things. How I many of you know you got to hold fast to good things in your mind and in your emotions? That's where it's going to start. Because do you know you can do the right things with the wrong mind and the wrong emotions? Amen. Let me tell you what that would look like. 
That would look like somebody that comes to church because it's a physical action they think they need to take, but they're mad they have to be there the whole time. Amen? They're not engaged emotionally in the moment. They're not there as they need to be there, right? We got to hold fast to what is good. We got to look, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil. Hate, that's a strong word. To abhor something is strong. And hate, I mean, you got to be repulsed by it. My goodness, how that would help us as believers if we would learn to be repulsed by wickedness. To be repulsed by, by evil and sin. Instead of flirting with it, to be repulsed by it. To abhor what is evil. I mean, you know, there are evil things in our world. There are evil actions. There are evil things you'll lay your eyes on. There are evil things that you will hear. There are evil things that try to get into your family and into your lives and into your relationship. And so, therefore, you need to be a person of hope. And you need to believe God can help you emotionally abhor those things. Not, not be addicted to them, but to hate them. Amen? That's, that's what that word would carry with it. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. I'm wrapping your mind and arms and heart around what is good. Right? That, that's, this, is, this is another area. And like I said, I'm just, the, the things I'm going to hit with you tonight are just very practical things. We talked about physical you need to be physically involved in the kingdom of God if you're a person of hope. And now you need to be emotionally involved. You've got to love the right things, hate the right things, and hold on to the right things. Amen? How many know what you cling to is a choice? Amen. What you cling to is a choice. That, that, means, that means if you don't make the right choice, you'll let go of the very things you should hold on to. we got a lot of people that emotionally let go of the things of God because of circumstances, because of addiction, because of wickedness, because of evil things. And so you got to be engaged. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures here. James chapter 4. We're, gonna, we're just going to spend maybe a little bit more time with this one because I think this is, uh, this is important. James chapter 4, they're all important, but this one really is. In verse 17, James 4 verse 17, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to that person it is sin. They know to do good. But they don't emotionally cling to it. They don't hold to it. They don't act upon it. Therefore, that becomes sin. Do you know there are sins of omission as there are sins of commission? That means there are sins in the things we do. And there are sins in the things we do not do. When we know to do right... And we don't do it. When we know to keep our minds, our thoughts upon these things, and we do not do it. Amen? To us, it becomes sin. 
Because we dwell on the wrong things. And emotionally, we begin to engage in the wrong things. Do you know, do you know sin's going to start out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's going to start in those emotions. There's going to be something that stirs up in us, and it's right there. We have a choice as to what we're going to hold on to, what we're going to push aside, what we're going to, and, and if we're going to turn to the Lord and to the Word, or if we're going to give into the world. And once you give in emotionally, not far behind that is going to come the actions that are going to follow. It, it penetrates your mind gets into your emotions, and then comes out and you act upon it. Amen. So hold fast to what is good. You know to do good, and when you know to do good, do it. James 1 and 27. James 1 and 27. Here's what it says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I've heard people that will get caught up in only the social aspect of the gospel. Well, uh, you're supposed to visit the orphans and the widows. And yes, you are in their trouble. We're supposed to go to the jails. Yes, you are. That's, a, that's according to the word of God. Go to those that are in prison. You're supposed to do it. But, but they don't talk very often about that last phrase. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. Only way you're going to do that is by staying in Christ. How many know this world will stain you? This world will taint you. It will jade you. Amen? You'll get jaded. You'll get comfortable with the things of the world. It'll become like a spot on a clean garment. And you just get comfortable with it. And the Word is telling us, don't get comfortable. Stay engaged emotionally. Understand, there are things the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to play, play tricks on you. He's trying to engage your emotions and to pull you away. A amen? He's trying to get into your mind. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we close tonight. But he's going to try to infiltrate your mind and your emotions. And so, therefore, you have to hold fast to what is good. Amen. Are y'all with me tonight? How many believe this is something that probably we all need to practice a little bit? We are followers of Christ, and to be followers of Christ means that we are practicing the things of God. Amen. We are disciples. We are learning. And if we will keep our eyes upon Him, He'll help you. He'll help you emotionally. Being a Christian... Is not only a spiritual thing. Amen. It's physical. That means you should live out the principles. And it is emotional. Don't, don't buy into this. That you can think the things you want to think. And feel the things you want to feel in the world. And just enjoy all that. And you're okay. No, you're not. It will spot you. Amen. Micah. The Old Testament, Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Micah is right before Nahum, right after Jonah. Micah 6 and verse number 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? 
but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Do you see the, do you see the three scriptures coming together here? To him that knows to do good and doesn't do it. To him it is sin. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Do the things that are the right things to do. Micah supports it as well. What does the Lord require of you? Do just things. Love mercy. And walk humbly. Amen. we we got to be engaged. Get emotionally sold out to Jesus. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. And we're going to go there in just a moment. Amen. How many of you realize love, the things God loves, is always the right choice? To love what God loves is always the right choice. In, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Do you know why you must love one another? Because you desire to love what Jesus loves. And guess who Jesus loves? All of us. So therefore, he says, this is my commandment I give to you. Not a suggestion. It's a commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, everyone's going to know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, you, you can do the right actions and fool some people. But if you love people, that will show you are a disciple. Amen. Be emotionally committed. To love the things that God loves, that Christ loves, that he gave himself for. The people, the, the actions, the life. Be committed to that emotionally. Make that your choice. Make it your desire. Romans 12 verse 11. And in verse 10, he goes on, he says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, prefer one another. You don't have to sit in the chief seat. You don't have to be in the limelight. Prefer one another. Support one another. Amen. And then verse 11. Not lagging in diligence. Be fervent in, the, in spirit and serve the Lord. Amen. Be aglow, I think is what the New Living Translation might say. And, and burn with zeal for the Lord. Now we must have spiritual hope. Okay, so we, we got to have physical hope. And if you have physical hope, you're going to do the things God's called you to do. Use the gifts he's given you. If, if you're going to have emotional hope, you're going to hold fast to what's good. Love the things he loves. And you're going to hate and abhor the things that are evil. You're going to make decisions that, that will affect you emotionally. Okay? And now you need to have spiritual hope. Don't lag in diligence for the Lord. Be fervent in the Spirit and serve the Lord with your whole heart. Love God with all your heart. 
all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Be a glow. Be burning with zeal. Have spiritual hope. Be a burning one. <laughs> Amen. One that is on fire for the Lord. And I tell you, if we're going to be ready to be everything God's called us to be, that's what we're trying to prepare for, to be ready for everything God's called us to and to accomplish all that He's called us to accomplish and pursue after Him and fulfill His plans. If we're going to do that, we have to be spiritually on fire. Quit lacking and lagging in diligence. Amen. What does that mean? What does it mean to lag in diligence when it comes to the Lord? In fact, well, it, it means just not caring enough. Not making it a priority. Can I tell you, you'll never be spiritually on fire if He is not your priority. Amen. If the things of God are not your priority, if your priority is more the things of this world... The money you can make, the pleasure you can find, all the things of this world, the status you can gain, amen, the level of the career field that you have chosen, the amount of toys that you can gather over your time, whatever, whatever it might be, if those things are more of your priority... You'll never be a person that stays spiritually on fire. You will lag in diligence for the Lord. Because how many of you have found it to be true? You cannot be fervent and diligent about multiple things. Amen. Something's always going to suffer. Right? We get too many things on our plate. Amen. We, we got a term for it. The world calls it and the church calls it. We get burned out. Because we get too many things on our plate. Well, it's not so much even about too many things on our plate. It's about too many things that we are diligent about and fervent about. And God is usually not one of them. We get more diligent and fervent about things in this world. Activity we can be a part of. And we fail to be a burning ember for the Lord. We lose our spiritual zeal. Come on, church. Do you know the world we're living in today? If the church is going to have an impact, it's going to take spiritual zeal from the body of Christ. Spiritual diligence. Amen. If you're not praying... You won't stay on fire for the Lord. And you have to be diligent to pray. Because guess what? Everything in the world will come up at your prayer time. Phone won't ring all day long till you go to prayer. No one will show up at your house till you go to prayer. Amen? You got to be diligent about it. And, and you got to be diligent to read the Word. Amen. Well, I just don't, I can't find the time. Well, that's the problem. You just diagnosed your problem. You can't find the time. Because other things have gotten in your way. 
Oh, but pastor, I have to work. Well, I'm, you know, I hear that one a lot. I have to work, so therefore I, I can't do this, or I've got a family, and I can't do this or that. But you know what I've discovered? Those same people, they'll do other things that they are fervent about. They'll find the time for those things. Amen. Hello. Are y'all still out there? You'll find the times for the things that you are urgent about. Amen. So you've got to be spiritually on fire. In, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching Sermon on the Mount. He says in verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. You can't re-season salt. It's got to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If the light's on, you're going to see it. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Be a light. Be a burning ember. Be one that God can depend on. Be one that is searching for Him. Hungry for Him. On fire for the Lord. Right? Be the one that people say, well, they're just a little too spiritual. Amen? I would dare say, we don't, we don't hear that very often. You're just too spiritual. Be that one. Be the one that is spiritual. Spiritually on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well... I'm enjoying this anyway. Because, see, I think sometimes, you know, we preach and we do those things, but sometimes we don't just take the time necessary to just talk about some of the practical things of the Word. Amos chapter 4 and verse 11 says something. God is saying to them, he said, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. But then he says, but you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. But then he goes on and says, yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. I, I preserved you from the punishment. I, you were like one that I plucked out of the fire. You're a firebrand that's been plucked out of it, but you haven't returned to me. Some of us need to realize God has plucked us out of some fire so we can start a fire for him. Amen. Be a firebrand for the Lord. Amos chapter 4, verse number 11. We've gone through the fires of this world. That's sin and judgment has brought upon our existence. But be like a firebrand that's been plucked from the fire and keep returning to the Lord. Find your strength and your zeal and your diligence in Him. Don't turn away from Him. Turn towards Him at all times. So you got to be, you got to be a person. If you're going to be a person of hope, you got to be a person of physical hope. That means you're doing something with what He's given you you got to be a person of emotional hope. That means your, your, your desire is the right things. You're loving what God loves and hating what God says is sin. And you're clinging to what is good. And then you got to have spiritual hope. Be on fire for the Lord. And if you're not on fire, get on fire. Because here's the thing. Our God, here's what Hebrews tells us. Our God is what? What is he? 
He's a consuming fire. Right? So therefore, if you get close to the fire, amen, it's going to catch. I was watching a video. I don't remember what I saw it on. But there was some people, and they were, they were burning. It was over in another country, and they were burning an Israeli flag. They were having a protest. They were burning. It was one of the countries over there that hates Israel. And they, they're burning the flag, and they're all celebrating all that, and that flag's on fire when all of a sudden a gust of wind comes up, and the guy that's holding that flag, and it's on fire, he got too close to the fire, and he caught on fire. Now, I don't know if that's judgment from God or not, but he, he goes running off, and they're trying to tamp him out, and I, I had to chuckle a little bit, and then I had to say, God, forgive me for chuckling at that poor guy's expense. But, you know, probably if there's ever someone that deserved a little fire getting on him, it was probably that group of people. Amen. But, but he got too close. Let me tell you, if, you don't, if you're not on fire for the Lord, then get a little closer to him because he's a consuming fire. If you'll draw near to him, he will move you in the direction he has for you. Amen. I'm going to give you one more thing, and then I'm done tonight. I hope that you're just getting something out of these, ser- these lessons on these Wednesday nights. Verse number 12, and we're going to stop with this verse. Rejoicing in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And continue steadfast in prayer. That encapsulizes the mindset of a person of hope. That, that, that pulls together the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. Because that's a person that their mind is set. How I many you know when your mind is set on something, your actions follow? Your emotions get in the right place, and spiritually, you're ready to engage. He says, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Be steadfast. Be patient in tribulations. So when things are against you, keep doing the right thing. Be patient then. Let patience have its perfect work. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And continue steadfastly in prayer. Do you see the three? Do you, do you see the three that we just talked about? Let me, let me read them again. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Emotionally rejoicing in hope. God's going to come through. I'm going to stay emotionally engaged. I'm not going to check out because things are going wrong. I'm going to rejoice that I have hope. And then be patient in tribulation because I'm doing the things God's given me to do. So when it's not looking right or when they're fighting against me or something's not, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to be physically engaged. I'm going to be patient and just keep doing the good things. Hating the evil things, clinging to the good things. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be engaged physically. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna stay emotionally focused on the Lord and rejoice in Him. And I'm gonna be constant in prayer because that's gonna keep me spiritually in hope. Amen. It's the mindset. Church, we gotta get this mindset. 
We got to come back. The great here. Let me let me say this to you. How many of you have known some great Christian people in your life? Man, you known some great Christian people in your life. Do you know those people all had these three things in common? Every one of them. If they were a strong influence, a great Christian person, they had these three. They, they were emotionally checked in to the things of God. They were physically using the gifts. They were, they were emotionally checked in. They were holding to the good things and clinging to them and rejecting the wicked things and turning away from them. And they were spiritually diligent. I think over my life, of the great Christian influences of my life. And they exhibited these. I talk about them often. But they had a great impact on me. Veronica's grandparents were those type of people. And you went to their house and they had time for prayer. And you either sat there and felt uncomfortable or you joined in. <laughs> but they didn't care what you thought. They were going to pray. If you went and visited them and it was around church time, you had two options. You either went with them to church or you went home. Or you waited there, I guess, for them. Because they were spiritually in tune. Amen? And they would use whatever God had given them for his kingdom's sake. My grandmother was another one. My dad's mom. One of the godly, most godly women I knew. She exhibited those. Amen. You think of the people in your life. Think of the people in the world, word that had great impact. Think of Paul. He had to make some choices. He had to rejoice in hope. He had to be patient in tribulation. And he had to be steadfast in prayer. Amen. How many want to be a person of hope? How many want to take the actions of hope? Do you, want to, do you want to fulfill all God has put in your life? Then work towards these three. Stand your feet with me. What if, what if, what if you just spent some time and put everything else aside and focused on those three areas for a little while? What do you think would happen? If you just focused on, I'm going to rejoice in hope. I'm going to stay there. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to rejoice in hope. Amen? Don't you think that would begin to change things? Your outlook would, would completely change. You're going to keep doing even when it's tough. And you're going to stay spiritually in tune. I'm going to challenge you tonight. I'm going to leave you with this challenge. Take those three areas and focus. The actions, the physical things, just do the small things. We all wait for the great things, the big things. Do the small things. When you're faithful over little God then he'll make you ruler over much amen
choose to be that person. And I'm not going to go to that, the next place I was going to go. We'll just stop there. But for, you can go read it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. You will know it when you start reading. It's talking about the coming of the Lord. The rapture. And then if you'll read on through chapter 5. You'll begin to realize people of hope. It's all because their eyes are on Jesus. They're looking for him at all times. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Father, I want to thank you because you've gifted us all in differing ways. Given us all gifts. We're all unique in our gift set and giftings. The actions that we can take. Father, sometimes it's sacrificial action. And then other times it's the things that you've given us the ability to do. To maybe be better at. Not because of us, but because of you. So, Lord, let us do those things. And let us be emotionally checked in. Help us to not buy into the lie of this world. That says that our emotions, because of the world we live in, are just overwhelmed at all times. Father, that's, that is not the life that we have to settle for. We want to stay checked in with you. We want to keep our mind, think upon the right things, gaze upon the right things, hate the things we need to hate, abhor those, guard against those, block those off. And Father, let us be spiritually alive. No matter where we are or what's going on, we can be spiritually fervent if we're in relationship with you. And if we need the fire in our lives stronger and greater, let us draw closer to you. That's where we find it. Father, we love you and we thank you. And I ask that you just take these words, put them in our hearts, and let us walk out your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.